I mean, we lose sleep over our patients, our cases, and and then knowing that we tried our absolute best and then still getting yelled at, told we're horrible people. You know, you hear it enough and we hear it every day, honestly. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whisker Talks, the veterinary marketing podcast. I'm Adam Greenbaum, CEO and founder of Whisker Cloud. Today, I have Jordan Jezamondo and Rebecca Johnson from the DVM Moms Group. Happy Friday. Happy Juneteenth. Juneteenth, that's right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we've had like running jokes on other episodes of the podcast where you never know when this is going to go live. So I kept having people tell me internally, which called, they said, you can't say the date or time because if this goes out in like four weeks, it's going to sound weird. And I was sitting there like, yeah, the Lakers lost last night. And now, you know, <laughs> some of those episodes aren't even out yet. And the Lakers have lost their final game a long time <laughs> I'm really excited to have you both here for a lot of reasons. And I'll quickly just talk about why I'm excited about the partnership we have with you. And then I'm going to ask some nerdy questions and we'll kind of go from there. But, you know, one of the big things we've been doing at Whisker Cloud in the last year, really, with Lauren Anderson, our, you know, director of sales slash director of life at Whisker Cloud and, and the team she's built is, you know, partnering with great organizations who are doing great things in veterinary medicine. And that's always important to me. I think a lot of people know that I started Whisker Cloud because I had a dog rescue and my love of veterinary medicine, having just become friends with vets around the world who helped me many times save the lives of dogs that we had rescued. That's why I'm here. So I like partnering with organizations like yours. And we've got about eight to 10 other partnerships like this of just people who are finding themselves in a subset of veterinary medicine and just trying to help the people around them. And I just think that's really important. So I just wanted to say, hey, thanks for the partnership and thanks for being on and and thanks for taking time to let me rant like this. And, and <laughs> as I was saying to you both before we started, I said, perfect. This is what the world needs to hear. Just a guy. I mean, I, you know, I'm married with two dogs and a, and a cat, but you know, it's like, am I the right person? Whisker clouds, I think 86% female. And yet the guy with no kids is here <laughs> with you two. And I'm a man. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's good. I mean, I maybe what might come off as like doofus questions might be good for everyone to hear. That's <laughs> perfect. We're excited to be here. Thank you. And then thanks for sitting through that insanely long intro. As I told you about, that's been a couple of weeks. But the question I ask everyone is, what's your veterinary origin story? So everyone knows I love Marvel. I love the Incredible Hulk. And, you know, I think veterinary medicine, it's it's I think there's a lot of superhero qualities that go into doing that. You know, I have this running joke here at Whisker Cloud. There's a scene in Avengers Infinity War I'm about to get nerdy. Sorry, everyone. But <laughs> there's a scene where in Avengers Infinity War, everything is over. Tony Stark and Piper Potts, Robert Downey Jr. and Gwyneth Paltrow are just walking in the park talking about we should go do this. We should go do that. And then out of nowhere, Dr. Strange shows up and says, Tony Stark, we need you right now. The world's about to end. And that's like my running joke at Whisker Cloud is about four out of five work days a week. I am having this nice, relaxing day. And then it's the the email that comes in. It could be one of anything. So there's a lot of superhero qualities to vet med, meaning what you do. There's a lot of fires to put out. There's a lot of chaos. No one ever says thank you. Do you think people go to superheroes and say, by the way, thanks. You really, you saved the earth. We really appreciate you. So <laughs> if I ever meet a superhero, I'll be honest, I will thank them because I know how much it means when I'm thanked. And you're right. It is hard to remember that sometimes, but it's so important <laughs> for people to hear those words of thanks. I completely agree. And, and I've said that too. It's, you know, we're a lot like uh, the people in vet med. I mean, you know, our team handles anywhere from about 150 to 250 support tickets a day. And, you know, it isn't me shaming our customers because guess what? They're really busy. And this is, I mean, I tell people this when they start, you're going to get a lot of, I need this right now. You're never going to get a lot of thank yous and I appreciate you and things like that. And that's fine, you know, but they have to understand that. But I think in vet med, what you all do, it's just much different. So I've turned this question into seven minutes. If you both want to just talk 
talk about, you know, how you got into vet med, what got you here. I mean, I think, I just think those, every story I've heard is so fascinating. So whoever wants to go first, please jump in and let's, let's tell us how'd you get to vet med? I'll go. I wanted to be a veterinarian for as long as I can remember. I don't even remember the realization that I wanted to be a veterinarian. It just, it was just ingrained in me. Um, and I spent a lot of time volunteering at veterinary clinics when I was little, back when, you know, we could legally get away with a lot more things. <laughs> I got a lot of hands-on experience that was really cool. That's my story. There's really not much more to it. I worked hard and it took me a couple tries to get into vet school, but uh, we made it and here I am. Welcome. So this is Rebecca speaking. My experience is the complete opposite. I never wanted to be a vet. I didn't not want to be a vet. I just didn't really know what they were. You know, we always had family dogs and I guess they probably went to the vet every once in a while. I don't know. But then I went to college and I graduated from college with a degree in art history. So, you know, not a lot of science requirements for that one. And I did not know what I wanted to do with that. I had no I had no goal. And I graduated from college and I worked in jobs like bartending and things like that that just weren't weren't long-term solutions for me. And my mom suggested one time when I was feeling kind of aimless, she said, well, why don't you go work at a vet clinic? You've always liked animals. And I thought, yeah, I, always, I do like animals. And so I applied for a job as a receptionist at a vet clinic in Austin, Texas. And that was it. That was my aha moment. Really, I remember my first day just being like, oh my God, there are people whose job it is to take care of animals. (laughs) (laughs) And so from that moment on, I just did what I could to figure out what I needed to do to go to vet school, which involved going basically back to college because I didn't have any science credits. I didn't have anything that I needed to fulfill the prerequisites to apply to vet school. So I did uh, a couple years of school to build those prereqs up and then applied and got into Tufts, thank goodness. And I loved it. I've never looked back. I've never regretted it. I love being a vet. You know, it's challenging, but I can't imagine doing anything else. Wow. You know, it's funny too. Everyone says, yeah, I was in 4-H and, or yeah, I, you know, I loved animals growing up. And, you know, it's funny. My, my father-in-law always tells the story that he had a family member that I believe tried to get into vet school, couldn't. And he, you know, he was always told it's harder to get into vet school than it is medical school. And I've, and I've had multiple people tell me that. And it's, uh, I mean, I'm a guy who, you know, owns a successful company. I swear you could put me into entry level biology tomorrow and give me the answers to the tests. I'm going to not do well. It's just, it's just weird. So, you know, veterinary medicine is truly a passion for me. It's, and it's weird, you know, when you're, you hear the stories that you both just told and how you get into it. I can't even imagine life in veterinary school. I can't imagine the first time you even have to spay a dog was, I mean, it's just gotta be terrifying. I can't even. But you know, that's the thing about being in school is you're there to learn. And so there's, there's guidance and your hand is held through that period. If you're in a situation where you have really high quality mentorships and it's still scary, but at least you know that somebody is there to help you. Yep. <laughs> and that's basically what you are doing with the DVM moms group. So you created this back in 2016. Correct. And you two are the original founders. Is that right? It was actually myself and Jordan and um, Megan Schneider. She stepped back about a year ago, but now we have from recent Kim Bishop and myself uh, were admins. Then we brought on Stephanie Hickey as a, a moderator help and for the main Facebook group. And then now we have Rebecca and Lay are working with us now to help bring this to light. So, Yeah, so Jordan and I were already colleagues. Uh, we worked together. And so we had a lot of opportunity to talk about all the issues that DVM moms faced. And that was kind of my my entry into the involvement with the website itself. Very cool. And and like I said, I think this group's really important. Now I'm I'm terrified of Facebook groups and like message boards. Have you ever had a moment before we jump in, but like have you ever had a moment where 
like things got really out of hand in a post. We don't like need to name names, but you ever, okay. So that laugh tells me more than one. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> Every day. Anytime you have almost 15,000 people with 15,000 different opinions, it can get pretty heated. <laughs> I would say 99% of the time, people in our group are very, very supportive and it's very positive. Of course, over the last year with everything that happened, it's been pretty rocky, but I think we've handled it and kind of made it to the other side, I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about moms that is a really special level of support. So you can be involved in lots of different Facebook groups and social media or, or what have you, and you don't get the level of support and understanding that I've seen the moms provide each other. Even when there's major difference of opinion or political background or religious affiliation, ultimately we all understand what every other person is going through at a very basic level. And that is, I think, what makes our group so strong is that level of unconditional support. And we keep each other on track. You know, if things start to get a little bit heated or sometimes a little bit nasty, which is rare, there's always moms who jump in and say, hey, you guys, we're all here to take care of each other. So let's let's step back and take care of each other. That's great because, like I said, you know, I think of Facebook group and, you know, I think there's a lot of... Uh, you know, Danielle Lambert and I are very close. She's got a group and I've and I've watched chaos unfold in that group and I've watched her have it have to moderate. And even here at Whisker Club, we've talked about it like, do should we have a Facebook group? I mean, we've got, you know, we work with about twenty six hundred people worldwide. I said, Well, why don't we why don't we do this? And I thought I could only find reasons to talk myself out of it. I found very few to talk myself into it, but I also think Ours is based on, you know, services from a business where yours is based on a group of people who are, who are there to support each other and help each other and kind of talk through things. And I'm in groups, by the way, I'm in groups that are, you know, entrepreneur groups where everyone vents and everyone's like, Hey, this really sucks. What the hell are we doing? And I'll say early on at Whisker Cloud, some of those, you know, reading some of those stories of people who were like, I poured my life savings into this my customers are being rude today. It's, you know, it's hard to hire good people. Like, you know, we, I went through that too and you're reading those things. I'm like, okay, I'm not alone. So I guess that is that probably like if you're big and, and you say your mission is to obviously promote change, you know, everything comes back to obviously emotional, financial, purpose-driven sustainability, empowerment's really important. I mean, you're still, it's, you're outnumbered for each of you, there's a couple thousand people. How do you do that and, and make sure that people that are there can get the what they need out of that group and manage the crazy days and sort of be present and have families and work? Um, <laughs> yeah, this is one of those moments I was talking about earlier where I'm like, yeah, a guy with wife and no kids is going to ask you questions and like come to realizations halfway through questions to be like, holy shit, you guys are really busy. <laughs> So busy. I'll jump in if that's okay, Jordan, yeah, um, because absolutely. I have not been a, a technically an admin for the group, but I was in the group at the very beginning just by virtue of having the same employer as you did. And what I've seen is that the admins do a bang up job watching posts and stepping in if they feel like things are getting out of hand. But the group itself really self polices for the most part. And that's what I mean by when I say that there's something special about a group of moms, because inherently, if if you have a bunch of people who are mothers or primary caregivers in some form, our drive is to care for somebody and to really look out for them and support them. And that's what we do with each other, because we all have this shared lived experience of being a mother and being a professional and in many cases being like a perfectionist and being really hard on ourselves and there's always somebody who is reading that board who can see a cry for help from a mom. And there's and somehow there's always somebody who's going to step in and say, hey, I've been there. I understand how bad this feels. It's totally okay to feel bad right now. But here's the thing. You're good at your job. You're a good mom. I promise. And sometimes that's all you need to hear. But I just want to give props to the admins for setting that tone very early on of support. And then the rest of the group has taken it and and really continue to support that. Wow. I Okay, so 
I'm curious, this is probably not even the best question to ask, but I think people listening to that, you know, sort of are thinking, so you set all this up, how often may, you know, would you say there's like a, okay, we need all hands on deck and, you know, like a, Hey, you know, and it, what happens? Does your phone, do you get an alert on your phone where it's like, uh Oh, there's a fight broke out. I mean, and again, it's not, it's <laughs> yeah. not even about like, and I feel weird. Like I'm asking these questions. And again, like when we talk about it internally, you know, like we use Slack here at whisker cloud and, and I'll, sometimes I'll get a, like an SOS Slack and I'm like, Oh shit. What's, you know, and it's like one of those things where I'm like, Oh God, here we go. And I'm like, okay, what's happening? Are the inmates running the asylum today? And I kind of like make that joke. So I feel weird. Like, you know, sometimes I jokingly say that about our customers. I'm like, well, they're not inmates, but it's the same thing in like the group. I, I don't want to like characterize like a bunch of hardworking moms as like, you know, but I assume in a group like this, you have those moments where it's all hands on deck. Like we have to jump into something. Like, let me ask you this. What's the most divisive topic that can come up in that group. Uh, so so we, <laughs> we have a couple off-limit topics, which has really helped minimize our need to step in. One of them is circumcision. For some reason, that is a very heated topic. The other one is politics. You don't which, say. Yeah, yeah. And you can imagine it's been a little rough over the last couple of years. But the hardest thing is where do you draw the line? Because racial issues and that type of thing, that's not political, but to some it is. And so that's, that's a huge gray zone where some people, the argument becomes, is this political or is this not? And then we deal with those discussions. So what happens is Facebook has a lot of pros and cons. Um, the nice thing is that posts can be reported to the admins and we get, usually when something's getting heated, our, our phone blows up with this post is reported so many times and we'll usually get some messages and from you know a bunch of people as well. So we can, we can go and, and look at the post. A lot of times, you know, there's only three of us that, that moderate. We're all working, we're all full-time working moms. And so, it gets really hard to sit down and, okay, let's see what, where things went wrong. Do we need to delete comments? Do we need to, you know, tell so-and-so that they need to kind of calm it down a little bit. So a lot of times if we can't get to it right away, we just turn off commenting and then that will prevent it from being bumped to the top of the news feed and, and Facebook. And um, that kind of calms things down. In the meantime, of course, you know, people will get mad that we turned off commenting because they don't, you know, they feel it's an important topic that needs to be discussed. And someone is always upset about something, you know, you can, we can't do anything 100% perfectly, but we do our best and that's all we can do. <laughs> Isn't that funny though? It's like you said, like, you know, you can't please everyone. And again, like I imagine in a group of that size, I mean, God, even a company like Worcester Cloud, I think we have 26, 27 employees. It's, you know, even sometimes I'll think, Hey, all we're going to do this. And, and I'll get private message people like, can we not do that? Can we not do that? I'm thinking like, what, how are we split on like the simplest things sometimes? So yeah, that's, again, this is another reason why we haven't gone that route because I think it would be really beneficial because I, you know, so many people talk about whisker cloud in other groups and say, Hey, let me see your site. Ooh, that's a good idea. I love you guys did that. That's really nice. We want to do that. And I would love it to turn into that, but I just, I, I can't have our team here, you know, breaking up things about, you know, like, Hey, what did everyone do to put their mask policy on their website? And then all <laughs> of a sudden you've got 10 people who show the awesome things we built and the other 10 who are like, why do you even need it? They're not, it's not real. Right, and it's like, right. uh -oh. So <laughs> yes. I'm just like, yeah, I don't even want to open that door. Ah, okay. That's really interesting. And, and that was like, you know, I want to talk more about veterinary medicine, but just, you know, these are the questions I had that I've even, you know, you've been working with like Lauren a lot and, and Alana on our team and, and some of those people. And I just remember thinking like, I have to know what it's like inside that group. It's gotta be, it's just interesting just knowing how humans have been the last year and, and it's such a massive group. When in the process after you started it, did you say, this is really going to turn into something? Oh, when and it grew so quickly. Yeah. When Megan and I started this group, it was Megan's idea, 100% Megan's idea. She said, do you want to do this with me? And I said, okay. 
we just thought it was going to be, you know, some of our vet school classmates, uh, maybe some of our coworkers and 10, 20 people uh, just there to support each other. We had no idea what it was going to turn into. It grew very quickly, kind of overwhelming. And at, at that point, you know, Facebook has made a lot of improvements as far as managing things like requesting people to get into the group. We used to have to message every single person that requested to get into the group and ask them where they went to vet school, you know, when their kids were born, you know, just make sure that they were truly vet moms because we wanted to protect our space. And that took just so much time as the group was growing. I can't even, I don't even know how we survived that era. Now Facebook has questions, you know, where they can answer and it's so much easier, but it was very overwhelming in the beginning. Wow. Yeah, that's how it, I mean, that's how it was at WhiskerCloud too. You have these like, you know, you sort of, I mean, I remember I launched on June 1st, 2016. And I remember thinking, okay, if we can get 15 customers by the end of the year, we'll be good because it's just me. And I had another company at the time and we had 15 in the first couple of weeks. And I was like, uh oh. And, and it just, you know, and it kind of, <laughs> and we kind of gone through these like phases where at some point, you know, you, you're in a good flow. And, and honestly, over the last year, we've tripled in size during COVID, which is nuts and, and draining and, and exciting. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, the way we've had to hire has been unbelievable. But I imagine like a Facebook group growing like that sort of like, you know, I always think of like when I was internally, we talk about you, we talk about your, you know, the group all the time. Do you even like, you probably don't even think like the people at Whisker Club, do they talk about us? Or they just build this night? We literally talk about everyone because like, what else do we have to talk about all day? But it's funny because, you know, I was talking about how it's sort of like building like, you know, the game SimCity or the Sims or something, you know, you're sort of like, we're going back a thousand years and it's a new civilization and here's the rules. And then all of a sudden there's a lot more people and it's like, yeah, these rules and laws don't work for this many people. And then it <laughs> yeah. keeps growing and growing. And, and then you have what we call America today where everything's just a, a massive nightmare and no one agrees on anything. <laughs> yep. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so outside of the group, you both obviously work a lot. You have families and you're doing this, you know, this deviant mom thing. I was going to say is a lot to juggle. It's obviously a lot to juggle. How do you do it? How do each of you say, okay, I have, I am a very important job. I, my family is there. And I have this group that now depends on me. And I'm asking this, A, because that's one of the biggest things people talk about on this podcast is finding work-life balance. I mean, I think in veterinary medicine, it's really hard. And I think even for me, I mean, I struggle with this too. I, I have to have these conversations in my head a lot where I'm like, okay, my company needs me tomorrow. I need to be down in my home office, like working. And then nope, actually my wife needs me tonight and I need to be spending time with her. And I need to make sure that she doesn't think I'm like blowing her off because she probably had a rough day and I struggle with that. So you have this whole other element on top of it. And on top of, there's probably a lot of veterinarians that also have families and have children, but they also don't run this group and don't also have this. So how do you do it all of it? It's been a huge, huge learning curve. You know, I think the the most important piece is having a supportive employer. That's just huge. You know, you don't even have to worry if your family has to come first. You know, they understand that. They know. The next piece is just trying to figure out when you're going to do everything. And as a mom, you know, I don't know. And most moms would agree. We don't know how we get everything done. Um, we just do. It's usually a literal circus. I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I can't even explain it. But as we've been launching the website, that's been a, a huge learning curve for me as well. We, believe it or not, have not done this before. We know little of what we're doing. You guys at Whisker Cloud have been so helpful and so, so, so patient with us. <laughs> you know, we get, <laughs> I just can't thank you enough for that. But a lot of it is done after the kids go to bed. I try to set certain times uh, during the day where it's like um, on my days, quote unquote, off. I'm going to do spend this amount of time with the kids and, and really just try to focus on doing things with them. And then during nap time, when my uh, one-year-old who 
is a very difficult baby. When she goes down for a nap, I turn on the TV for the kids, and that's when I get things done. Which is totally in the tornado fine. fashion. Totally so, <laughs> I agree with everything that Jordan said. I think what she's describing is um, is boundaries and. In our profession, and I would say in the DBM Moms group, one thing that is at the forefront of everybody's minds is boundaries. How do you set them? When do you set them? What are they? And the, the term boundaries has kind of become overused in, in society recently, but it's so important. And one thing that I really appreciate about my colleagues in the DBM Moms is as we've been building this website and trying to figure out our mission, there have been times when each one of us has had to set a boundary. And, you know, I had a family crisis that was happening and I just reached out and said, hey, you guys, I'm going to be unavailable for the next four days. I've just got stuff going on with my kids. I need to focus on them. And the immediate response was, absolutely, let us know when you're back. And you don't get that from every employer. You don't get that from every coworker. But in general, my experience with moms is that we all get it. We know how hard it is to try to do everything. And we also know, I'm just going to tell you a secret, it's impossible to do everything. Mm-hmm. We're not doing it all. We're trying, but we're not doing it because it's impossible and we should stop trying to expect it from people. And so one thing that I've learned through my now 14-year career is that I have to be okay with saying no to things that people expect of me, because otherwise I'm not going to be paying enough attention to my family, or I'm not going to be paying enough attention to my patient, or I'm not going to be paying enough attention to myself, which is super important. So how do we do all of it? We don't. That's the secret. You have to know when, when to prioritize, not how to prioritize, but when to prioritize. And one of the things I really love about the DBM moms is we have a very vocal community who will step in and say, you need to tell your employer that your family is your number one priority. And, you know, we have a lot of people who ask for advice on how to ask for a raise or how to ask for better hours or how to ask the boss to schedule appointments more appropriately so that people have enough time to adequately work them up and not feel burned out. And you've got this whole community of moms who are ready and we jump in and you'll get hundreds of responses saying, well, this is what you need to ask your boss and these are the words you need to use and you've got this and you're important and you deserve this. And gosh, I wish everybody was like that because it just makes you feel good when you know you've got a whole crowd of people cheering you on. Wow, that's really cool. And I think a lot of people, I bet you your group was even more important over the last year as people were trapped at home and not seeing friends and family and probably, and yeah, I mean, that's that's really cool. And really, and it's funny, I felt like our, as a company at Whisker Cloud, we really bonded over the last year and became really close because realistically, we didn't see a lot of people. We're in Southern California. There was pretty harsh lockdowns here and and everyone was wanting to be safe. And we left the office on March 13th of last year. We've never gone back. That was the end of that. And it was, you know, I really felt the bond strength in here is because this is who we spent our days with every day, whether it was on Zoom and Slack and phone calls, but it was just, uh, Yeah, it was really interesting. And I did find myself, you know, just Facebook friends and Twitter friends sort of bonding with some of the people I've never even met. So yeah, I think the importance of that group over the last year was probably more than you both even probably know to a lot of people in that group who might just be keeping that to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, over the past year has been of course, different for everybody in various ways. But for vet med, as you've probably heard from from veterinarians, vet med has changed dramatically in the past year because we've had to respond to changes in staffing and veterinarian shortages and staff shortages and increased client demand. And we're still the same people who want to be perfect in all of our cases, but suddenly (laughs) a lot of us have tons more cases to take care of. And Based on my own experience and just watching the experience of lots of people in the in the moms group, our profession didn't really adapt as quickly as the changes were coming. And so we were still expected to produce and to see every appointment that needed to be seen. And we're all realizing that that's not possible. There's way too much demand right now for the help that we're able to give. And so even more 
then before the pandemic, the moms group became so important to the mental health of so many people because we could all commiserate. We could just say, oh, my God, this day was terrible. All these things died. And I, I felt like a bad vet and I missed my kid's bedtime. And this client yelled at me and told me he was going to burn down the building. And my boss told me that, you know, I didn't do something right or I was going to have to call that client and apologize. And it all just becomes a lot. And it's really nice to have a group of people that you can come back to who all can say, yep, totally get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to throw a plug in there for all those families too, who mine included and Jordan's too. We all suddenly had kids who were at home and we still had to go to jobs and we still had to be everything and anything to our clients while also trying to manage these kids who were at home unexpectedly. And I was one of the moms who dropped out of the workforce for a while. I had to take a leave of absence because my nine-year-old son was home and he couldn't be home by himself. (laughs) You know, it it just wasn't an option. And so, you know, in case anybody out there listening is wondering, a lot of the shortage is directly related to the number of people who had to stay home with their kids and it just wasn't optional. So it is hard to explain that to a person who's having an emergency with their pet, but the expectations placed on veterinarians in the past year, since we are a primarily female workforce, were just astronomical and we're still dealing with the aftermath of it. Um, People have been burned out and, and we need to support each other to try to get past this. Yeah. Everything you just said makes me, I'll announce this on this podcast because by the time this goes live, this is already in motion. I'm gearing up. I don't even know if this is a good idea. And in fact, as a company whose entire platform is built on Google Cloud, it's probably stupid for me to even take what I'm about to say and put it out into the world. But whatever. (laughs) Fortune favors the bold. I'm literally ready to go to war with Google and Yelp and Facebook and Glassdoor on on behalf of vet medicine for the reviews and and the added stress it adds. I mean, I'm literally ready to physically fight to the death and I'm done. And I have a good friend who's in PR and and, and said, dude, I, I, I can get this in the right hands if you've got data and stuff. And, you know, I got into a big yelling match recently. My wife was in the car. And I was, I was calling on behalf of a couple of vet hospitals. We had a vet hospital in Flint, Michigan. Someone came in with a Great Dane and said, you know, they said, yeah, this is going to be emergency surgery. It's a couple thousand dollars. Well, they just, they don't, they couldn't pay for it, you know, and this is a weird thing, right? So I was, and I was telling a family member about this, said, what are you supposed to do if you're the vet? Like that position that you're put in every day alone is like sickening and it's hard, but I mean, what are you supposed to do? So they said, I'm sorry, we can't do this unless you have payment. You know, we just can't do it. Person leaves. Person goes on Facebook. Again, we're, this is why I'm telling this story. In particular, person goes into their Great Dane Facebook group, tells everyone yep. this, uh, this emergency hospital just turned me away. The dog died in the middle of yeah. the night. And that's bad. That's horrible. And it then what do, you, what do you think happens to the hospital? Mm-hmm. They get cleared. We do reputation management. They had like 300 negative reviews. I mean, it was hundreds and hundreds across like Yelp, Google, Facebook, everything. And it was, luckily we have pull and we got a lot. We got them to like pause the pages. We got a lot to take down, but there's still a lot on there. And these people are not customers. And for me, and that business has really never recovered because they still get reviews about that Great Dane. And don't get me wrong. That's a sad, sad story in itself. It's, I imagine if I owned a vet hospital, that would probably be one of the biggest things I struggle with is what happens when, you know, the health of an animal and a life or death situation falls on me and I have to like stick to my guns. That is, I I don't even want to put myself in that position. And I'm sure you've both been in that position, but so I'm on the phone with Google. Yeah, regularly, probably daily. I mean, I was at, I was at my old vet. And there was a woman there yelling at, at the receptionist, like checking her out saying, you're going to charge me 200 and some dollars for two cats. I guess I won't have air conditioning this month. It's like, oh my God, like, what are you doing that to her for? I mean, I was there and I said something, I'm like, please stop. Don't do that to her. She didn't set the prices, but. Good for you. Good yeah, for you for standing you. up and saying something because that is emotional blackmail and it is devastating and people are dying because of it. We have a suicide rate in veterinary medicine that is, Astronomical. I mean, one suicide is too many, but we're losing people because 
of in part because of emotional blackmail. We are also devastated when our patients die. Devastated. We are devastated when we can't do something because it's beyond our control medically or surgically, but we're also devastated when we can't do something because it's beyond our control financially. And a lot of us don't have the power to say, I'll just do this one for free. And the people that do have that power, the owners and the partners, eventually they have to look out for their staff and for their their building and for themselves, and they just can't do everything for free. You're right, it is devastating. And in an ideal world, veterinary medicine would be free. We would love for that to be free because we would love to take care of all the animals that need it. But that's not the system that you and I and, and or anybody else was born into. And so until such time as veterinary medicine is free, which is not going to happen in our lifetimes, we have to work within this system. And I wish the general public could know how many hours of sleep we have lost, how many tears we have shed, how many jobs we have quit as a profession because we just couldn't take the, the devastation anymore. And when, when you're the one who has to say to somebody, I'm sorry, I can't fix this for whatever reason, it feels really bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels really bad. We grieve as well when our patients die. And I think that that's something that gets lost because it's a business transaction, but it's a business transaction out of necessity. It just, it is what it is. We all have to participate in this system. Otherwise, we can't have vets. So yeah, it's sad. And and I again, I thank you for standing up for that person because that's a hard thing to do to put yourself in a kind of confrontational situation. But I guarantee the people that overheard you speaking up really felt much better because of it. So thank you. Yes. Well, that's less about me like standing up and more of just me being a big mouth and hating people like that. But <laughs> I still appreciate that. Hey, but whatever, whatever your motivation, it helped somebody that day. Yes, thank you. I did something similar at Lowe's while my wife, <laughs> yep. my wife and I were there one night, and there was someone just screaming at a at a young woman at the front door who was doing mass checks. And the funny thing is, I'm I hate confrontation. I don't and I don't actively seek it out. I don't put myself in there. But you know, we all have to be decent when you see someone who's being abused at a job, you know, entry level job at Lowe's. My job is to stand at the front door at Lowe's. You know, she was young too. She's probably just like, I have a job. This is great. Like, I don't know who on earth wakes up and thinks I have the right to yell at anyone. I mean, I've told stories on this podcast. I've I've had to fire maybe seven clients ever. And, and, and there's been a zero strike policy. You call someone at whisker cloud and name, I don't really give a shit what the reason was for you're gone. And and that's just how we have to do it. And you know, it's like hearing you tell that story. I don't know if either of you know, Angela Hoffman, she's a customer of Mm -hmm. ours. I believe she's a mom. I don't know if she's in your group. Her Instagram handles the San Diego DVM. And she had a post on June 2nd. I, I pulled it up while you were talking. And, and I, I mean, I showed it to my wife and my wife just started bawling her eyes out on the couch. And, you know, and, and it's a picture of her telling everyone, go, go follow her because she has an amazing page, but it's just at the San Diego DVM. But, you know, this post says, you know, we lost a patient today. She was healthy as far as we knew. Great blood work had just anesthetized her with previous month with zero complications. We use the same anesthetic protocol. She was closely monitored. She sailed through the procedure and then she crashed heart stop, breathing stop. We gave multiple rounds of emergency drugs. We did chest compression. She died anyway. And more than 20 years in vet med, a surgical RVT and DVM. I can count on one hand the number of perioperative deaths I've seen. It's still hard and having to perform several more surgeries afterwards. She literally wrote super fucking hard. I love my job, but some days are just shit. You know, I read that and I, and it's just, it's like, I can, and you all go through that every single day. Yeah. It's just, it's just unbelievable. And then to have to listen to a grieving client berate you for having failed on top of all of that, that is, that is the kicker. And for some people it's unbearable. I mean, it's, it's unbearable for all of us. I don't think anyone enjoys that, but, but for some people it is, literally the straw that breaks the camel's back. And sometimes that straw is quitting and sometimes it's leaving vet med altogether and, and sometimes it's suicide. So words words really matter. The way we treat people really matters. Not to say that veterinarians are perfect. I've certainly stuck my foot in it more than once, but I try to apologize when I've done it. Mm-hmm. But blaming somebody for the death of a pet when all they were doing was trying to help Believe me, that person is already blaming themselves. So you don't need to pile on. 
Yeah. It is very hard when you've just put your heart into something and, and you do everything to try to save a life and it doesn't work. Yep. I mean, we lose sleep over our patients, our cases, and and then knowing that we tried our absolute best and then still getting yelled at, told we're horrible people. You know, you hear it enough and we hear it every day, honestly. We hear we don't have a heart. We hear we hear all this stuff and you start to believe it. Only in it for the money. Yeah, only in it for the money. And you're like, well, maybe I am terrible, you know? You can only hear something so much and then you know, it really starts to to be hard to push those comments away. You start to believe it. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, and that's why I'm really going to take this fight to Google. And I and I hope it doesn't have any reverberations for Whisker Club. But I am so damn tired of seeing the rules and the in their their guidelines basically state. I mean, and, and I went down this rabbit hole with them and it was basically confirmed to me. If someone's bored enough and they want to make enough emails, they could just destroy you on yep. Google yep. and there is no ramifications. There is no verification. And I am so damn tired of that. And I'm, I mean, I'm really starting, I want to fight this and I want to make the change because there's a lot of tech apps that I use. And if you want to review it, you have to log in and you have to send a screenshot and you also have to upload your most recent invoice. And I am so tired. I want to say you had a bad day at this vet. That's fine. I need you to upload your invoice and you can write whatever you want, but you can prove that they actually did it. But what, you know, like the store, you know, Angela's story and, you know, like the great Dane, it's just not fair that one person had a bad day, but they have 10 friends who have nothing better and to do in life and have made the decision that yeah let's go ruin their business they went to you right. know six to eight years of school they spent all this money they have all these student loans they deal with this shit every day but you're all bored so now we can just crush them right yeah right so yeah, yeah. it's not even just on google i mean they'll pick it outside your clinic there have been veterinarians who have had their house lit on fire there was one i remember where client lit the veterinarian's house on fire and they lost the, that veterinarian lost all their animals in the fire. Our kids' lives have been threatened. Our lives have been threatened. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, you know, my wife told me, she said, your last couple podcasts, you know, we were ta- we talk about, you know, I, I had um, Tyler Carmack who actually just had a baby and she's the uh, past president of the IAHPC and she does mobile euthanasia. And my wife, after listening to the most recent episode, she said to me, she's like, I hate you. I just bawled my eyes out at work because we're just talking <laughs> about like animals being put down all day. So I guess my final big thought is like your group is probably well, it is. It's much larger than most Facebook groups on Facebook. The data that you have, the information that you have, have you ever thought about what you could do with that data? Like, where could that data go? What could happen? I mean, I'm just thinking there's just so many things you could do with that information to just, you. I mean, you basically, you know, even what you were talking about, how, you know, sometimes there's hot topics, but I'm wondering like, what could be taken away from that information? What could be, you know, how can it be mobilized to say, hey, all there's 14,000 of us. We're going to put up a poll. Let's get our answers and let's send this out to the AVMA or let's send this to so-and-so and and let's make our voices heard where they can publish something and say, hey, according to the DVM Moms group on Facebook, 14,000 members, you know, 67% say this, 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 and this. Have you ever thought about that? We've got a couple things in the in the works like that. We realize we have power in numbers. And the fact of the matter is we have to change the profession in its entirety. We can't one clinic can't say, okay, we're not gonna put up with this abuse anymore. And everyone else around them still does. That's not gonna work. We have to be a force and to be able to get things done. And so that is definitely something that we have considered and are working on. One of the things that we're doing, at least in the beginning of the website's life, is we have a job board and we're asking people who are submitting job postings to specify why that job is family friendly. And so hopefully the idea is that hopefully we will filter out or will boost the job ads for family-friendly practices and hopefully someday help everybody recognize that that's, it's really in your financial best interest to have a family-friendly practice and to attract people who want to work at a family-friendly practice. And we're starting small, but, but our hope is to 
make that an expectation for veterinary jobs is that it should be a practice that supports the needs of primary caregivers, people with children who are going to need that flexibility and still be productive employees. Yep. And it's not just mothers, fathers with children or, you know, primary caregivers. It Well, we want to encompass all primary caregivers. Just because you don't have kids doesn't mean you don't have a family. You have, might have a significant other. You might have a parent you're taking care of, a sibling, Grandma. you know. Yep, exactly. So we don't want to focus just on the mothers in this aspect. I mean, yes, we're a force of mothers and we will fight for that, but we are fighting for for everybody. You know, you just gave me like 10 ideas. This is why I'm, well, it's like, it's really interesting too. Like, you know, you have people have like the fear-free certification for their hospitals. And I think a lot of the certifications that are out there are for like showcasing services. But what if there was some sort of family-friendly certification that hospitals could pass? And if you're out there listening and you want to steal this idea, good luck trying to fight these two and 14,000 other people getting to it first. (laughs) Plus, Whisker Cloud's going to help them. So, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, we are already working on that. That is one of our goals. We've even thought about how to help clinics have daycares on site, you know, to to eliminate some of that stress. There are clinics that have done that. There are clinics, I'm, I'm working for one right now, that is working on doing that. And we do, you know, we want to have those set standards kind of like an, an aha practice, but for human quality of life. Can I ask a really weird question? Yeah. This is a tough question. We're veterinarians. We get a lot of weird questions. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, again, I, I guess I was going to sugarcoat and say from what I gather, but like, let's be real, you know, from everything I've heard from every single human I've ever spoken to in this business, being in the, and I've spent my fair share of days in hospitals. And, you know, when we were smaller, I used to go visit a lot of clinics and that was pre-COVID. And, you know, I, I would spend two hours in the clinic and I would be drained. And it was like, the, you know, sometimes the energy when you walk in, when, not when you're in, you know, you're in the, you know, you're in the front waiting room, you're fine. You walk through those double doors and it like, it feels heavy. It's like you're walking through a fog almost. Is that a situation? Do you want to have your, you know, young kids? Do you want to have them around that where they might be picking up on some of that? toxicity, some of that energy, or is it really, it's like, Hey, not only do we need to have, you know, daycares in house and things like that, but it also, also we need to think about the tone and mood about everything because, and honestly, maybe hospitals should just say that, Hey, let's all act as if there are multiple young children around that we want Mm -hmm. to put on a pretty picture for. Can we try that today? Would that even work? I'm going to challenge you to think about it a different way. What if veterinary medicine was already family friendly and supportive of people who do have those outside concerns, maybe there wouldn't be that feeling of heaviness all the time because that would be a burden that has been lifted. Oh God. Well, yeah. I mean, well, Hey, like, you know, you say, what if I I got about 500 other what ifs for you while we're talking there. It's like, what if, yeah, I mean, that's the problem is there's, you know, but you know, what sucks it's for me, I've been in this industry five years. I remember when I started and I was working with Danielle and I, you know, I met Debbie Boone really early on. And I've just met a lot of these, like, you know, Jessica Vogel saying a lot of these powerhouses in vet med and everyone keeps saying, yeah, we got to change this. We got to change this. And here I am in 2021 and we still have these conversations. And and I have a saying at work and I, and I say this a lot and I always say speed kills. And I think it's just really important to be fast about things. So how do we, you know, and again, you know, I, you'll, if it, anyone out there is listening to every episode of this podcast, I've asked this identical question just in different ways, but it's just like, okay, so we talked about it. What next? And it just mm-hmm. doesn't seem like it's getting there. And this is a whole different angle on it, which is really interesting. And it's, you know, it's like we have to be able to crawl, walk, run, but vet med for some reason can't even figure out how to crawl. And then they try to run without walking. And then, you know, here we are, we having these conversations. Yeah, it's a good question. And that's, that's hard. You know, we talk about that all the time. We have all of these dreams and visions and how do we get there? And you're right, speed does kill. We're not going to accomplish anything overnight. We are crawling. We're army crawling, you know, and we're focusing on one thing at a time. And that's, that's all we can do. And then if enough people around us do that, you know, we'll begin to make some headway. This last year has put vet med in a crisis. I mean, we're in crisis mode right now. We don't have staff. We don't have veterinarians. The average wait to get into a, a veterinary clinic is is weeks. And it's not because the veterinarians don't exist. 
It's because they've right. left the profession. They've left. We're, do- yeah. we're done. People are done. There comes a point where we've put, I don't know how many thousands of dollars towards our school. We've worked so hard to be here, but there comes a point where we're like, our life isn't, it's not worth our life. This is just not worth it. And so we're just in a crisis. And if we don't change, I don't know what's going to happen to the profession. So we're kind of at, we're at this breaking point where we have to do something. Wow. That's like the main clip that everyone should hear. Cause that's, I mean, it's true. And, and I, and I mean, I've heard stories of like practice managers and I'm in the, you know, some of those groups and the practice managers receptionists are just like, Hey, like I could go do this at a dentist office and I can go do this yeah. here and, and the <laughs> tensions just aren't as bad. And I mean, what you just said is just, just incredibly powerful. So I'll end it with this for the people that are out there listening and are saying, wait, I'm a DVM mom. How do they find you? How do they get involved? What rule do you want them to follow in the group more than any other role? <laughs> Don't talk about circumcision. Just come in and talk about your day. <laughs> so you can find a link to our Facebook group on our website, which is the dvmmoms.com. It's dvmoms.com. Or you can search us in Facebook. It's DVM Moms Life in the Trenches. And you join group and they Facebook will ask you a couple questions. You have to answer those questions to get in, but that's and we ask that you be honest, of course. That's the requirement. <laughs> no politics, no circumcision. Um, those are the big <laughs> And no, uh, no screenshots. That's yes, another no real important It's a, yep. it's a safe space, and we've done a pretty mm-hmm. good job of maintaining that that safe environment with a huge group of people. And if you screenshot a conversation and show it to anybody outside of the group, then you're out. Mm-hmm. Wow. No, I, I actually, and and just so you know, I'm glad you said that. I tell our support people all the time. You know, guess what? Not everyone who works with Whisker Cloud is always the nicest. That's okay. It's you know, we're not judge, jury, and executioner here. It's not a requirement to work with us that you have to be the most pleasant. But I always tell people if someone sends you something rude, and you feel that quick, like, ooh, I didn't like that. I kind of want to tell them. I always say, don't a because your manager will see it. But b, <laughs> if I see a rude comment from someone at Whisper Cloud, like in one of these groups, uh, that's gonna suck. So please, let's never let that happen. <laughs> so I like that you do that. But seriously, thank you both so much for being here. This was a lot of fun. I told you before we recorded, I said, I hope my questions don't come off. It's just like some dude without kids not understanding it. So I hope <laughs> I did okay. No, you did, you great. did great. Good job. <laughs> thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Have a, have a great day, everyone out there that likes this episode. You know, a couple of things. One, look up Whisker Talks, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, all of that. Like, share, subscribe, you know, for the moms out there, you know, go find this group on Facebook, go check out their website and there's, and they have a great job page, which our team's actually in the process of rebuilding and adding some cool structure to. I think when we first built it, we were like, oh yeah, they've got some jobs and now you have a crazy amount of jobs. So yeah, I actually, I know that ticket is there where they're building it out, where people are going to be able to filter. So that's coming soon too. But yeah, I mean, if you're out there looking for work, there's a lot of jobs on there. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having us. This is fun. Thank you all. Thank you. Have a great night. We'll talk soon. Bye.